drive time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, December the 10th, and you have survived the week. Congratulations. Uh, you get to enjoy your weekend, and it's uh, fast upon you. Just one, just all you got to do is get through today. That's it. And then you're, you're home free for the weekend. Praise be to God. Coming up this hour, we're going to have a great conversation with Timothy Flanders. He has got a new book out called The Battles of the Church from Antiquities to the Present. Uh, it's the city of God, the city of man, and we're going to have a great conversation about this. This is kind of uh, cool stuff to look back in church history and to find the patterns, the, the kinds of combat that the church has has uh, been uh, asked to engage with by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how we continue that fight today. Timothy Flanders is our guest at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, uh, several stories in the news that are of concern to me and I'm sure to you to include Mexican cardinals and bishops convicted for denouncing pro-abortion socialist government. Did you, I don't know if you were aware of this story, but I'm guessing most people aren't. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Plus, more than half of Irish Catholics have continued to stay away from Holy Mass since the pandemic lockdown. We, you might recall we had a TFP member from Ireland on several months back during the height of their lockdown where they were having underground masses. Well, there's been a mass exodus, so lots to talk about in those segments. Plus, we have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and a lot more today on Catholic Drive Time. Plus, we're going to give away prizes. It's going to be a great show, and we're going to dive in here. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, listeners. Praise be to God. It's good to see you again, of course. Uh, anything of redeeming value in the news today for Friday anyway? Redeeming? Oh, I don't know about that. Most news is pretty negative. But, is uh, it? We do have uh, a nice story coming for you at the second hour. However, I, I did want to just mention briefly this, mm -hmm. uh, this headline, NIH, no documents found on gain-of-function research. Crazy really? story. I recommend uh, checking out, I believe it's on The Blaze, with uh, Glenn Beck, he did a like a two-hour special on the coronavirus. It's just amazing. He explains what gain-of-function research is. Highly yeah. suggest that for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Smollett got convicted for mm -hmm. uh, a faking a hate crime. Um, yep. Josh Duggar got convicted for child uh, child abuse or child sexual abuse images on his work computer. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of crazy stories in the news. And you know what's interesting about Fridays? If you watch the news around like 4 o'clock on a Friday, something usually big breaks. That's what they sneak them in on hmm. Friday afternoons because nobody's paying attention. But hopefully we'll have the, uh, the most latest information <laughs> for you here on today's program. And speaking of the latest information, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. You know, despite the fact that there is a there are cicadas buzzing in my ear, uh, it is still good to be here. Praise <laughs> be to God. In spite of the cicadas on my computer, despite uh, that, that are here, not to because annoy of it, you. definitely not because of it, but despite it, it is still good to be here. Praise be to God. What an opportunity you have to suffer. Amen. And brother. I'm so grateful Amen. that I was able to participate in that every day, my friend. Uh, I understand we have a CDT insider in the studio. We do. Uh, Chris Chance is in the studio today. He's uh, coming in. He came in bright and early, 530 in the morning. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. 
Well, good morning to you, Christopher Chance. Is he on a microphone? Yes. Good morning, CDT well, team. Well, good morning, Christopher. What nice. brings you into the studio today? I wanted to get out of the house and do something. So Praise God. I'm here. <laughs> well, we are glad you are here. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us, and thanks for listening to Catholic Drive Time every day. We're very, very grateful. Sorry I wasn't in the studio. Uh, I am uh, going to be taking off after the show today and taking uh, my son, and we're going to go camping and fishing and hunting and that kind of thing. So we're, we're going to be heading out to la er, later this morning. Praise be to Jesus. But we are going to dive into our program. We have a great show lined up. We're very excited, especially to give away the prizes in the second hour. That's always fun to do that, to give out prizes, thanks to our incredible sponsors, which, by the way, I sent you their link and their little extra goodness for Catholic Drive Time listeners in the CDT Insider email list. So if you're not on that list, I suggest you sign up today and you will get that, plus the other content that I included in the email in your inbox on Sunday afternoon, I think is the next time it's going to hit. So go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get on our CDT and set our email list. Let's pray. Let's begin our program. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Let's jump right into your headlines for this morning. Epic Times reports NIH. No documents available on removal of gain-of-function definition from website. No documents exist explaining why officials decided to remove the definition of gain-of-function research from the NIH website. The agency told Epic Times the NIH site used to include a 231-word definition of the research, but it was removed around the same time the agency disclosed that research, that research it funded in China met the definition. The alteration took place sometime between October 19th and the 21st. The documents released to lawmakers in October showed that the NIH funded via the EcoHealth Alliance research in China that included enhancing the pathogenicity of a modified bat coronavirus. Dr. Francis Collin, the head of the NIH, had said in a statement in May that his agency had never approved any grant that would have supported gain-of-function research on coronaviruses that would have increased their transmissibility or lethality for humans. Daily Wire reports Michigan's Oxford High School shooting survivors sue for $100 million. And The Blaze reports federal court denies Trump demand to block release of his White House records to the January 6th committee. A federal court issued a legal defeat to former President Donald Trump on Thursday by rejecting his bid to block the release of the White House documents from his term to the January 6th Congressional Committee. The Trump, uh, sorry, excuse me, Trump has argued that the documents fall under executive privilege protections, but the court found that there was enough evidence to link the former president to the violent rioting at the, cop at the Capitol over the 2020 election. On the record before us, former President Trump has provided no basis for this court to override President Biden's judgment and the agreement and accommodations worked out between the political branches over these documents, said Judge Patricia Malay in the ruling from the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. She also stated that, the January, that January 6th had demonstrated a sound factual predicate for the request of the documents. 
All three judges of the appeals court circuit were appointed by Democratic presidents, one from Biden and two for, from former President Barack Obama. Breitbart reports China creating humanized pigs with gene editing, then infecting them with coronavirus. And the Associated Press reports judge Texas abortions law Texas abortion laws enforcement mechanism not valid. An Austin, Texas judge said Thursday that the enforcement mechanism behind the nation's strictest abortion law, which rewards lawsuits against violators by awarding judgments of $10,000, is unconstitutional in a narrow ruling that still leaves a near-total ban on abortions in place. The judge in state court has no, no bearing on the higher stakes case before the Supreme Court, which has shown no urgency in making a ruling. Planned Parenthood celebrated the state ruling but said abortion services still remain virtually inaccessible in Texas, praise God. And supporters of the law that was signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott said it is unlikely to have any practical impact or even dissuade lawsuits against abortion clinics. When abortion providers asked the court to keep the law from taking effect, the justices refused by a 5-4 to four vote, with Chief Justice John Roberts joining his three liberal colleagues in dissent. Texas have a right Texans have a right to access abortion free from the vigilante lawsuits that are meant to harass providers and abortion fund allies, Planned Parenthood providers said in a statement. This ruling is a much needed step, but abortion rights are still not secure. Praise God for that. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Eulalia of Merida. She was born in the third century and she was born in Spain. Eulalia was a devout Christian virgin at the age of 12 to about 14, whose mother sequestered her in the countryside in A.D. 304 because all citizens were required to make a vow of faith in the Roman gods. Eulalia ran away to the law court of the governor Dacian at Emericia. She professed herself as a Christian and insulted the pagan gods and emperor Maximin and challenged the authorities to martyr her. The judges attempted to flatter and bribe her, but they failed. And she said, Isis Apollo Venus Nicheles Maximinus et Ipse Nichel, Ele Nichel, qui facta manu hic manum qui facta colit, which is Isis Apollo and Venus are nothing. Maximin himself is nothing. They are nothing because they were made by hands. He, because he, rever he reveres the works of hands. Eulalia, as a 12-year-old girl, tried to remonstrate with Judge Dacian of Meridia for forcing Christians to worship false gods in accord with the Edict of Diocletian. Even though Dacian was at first amused and tried to flatter her, Eulalia would not deny Christ. Finally, Dacian ordered that her body be torn by iron hooks. Fire was applied to her wounds to increase her sufferings, and in the process, her hair caught fire. She was asphyxiated by the smokes and the flames. As she expired, a dove flew out of her mouth. This frightened away the soldiers and allowed a miraculous snow to cover her nakedness, its whiteness indicating her sainthood. She gained the crown of martyrdom around the year 304. Saint Eulalia of Merida, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. 
we sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome would say, If fasting then pleases you, why were you not satisfied with John? If fullness, why not with the Son of Man? Yet one of these ye said had a demon, and the other ye called a gluttonous man and a drunkard. See, they, they don't, they, it doesn't matter what the options are, they reject both. Hillary would say the whole of this speech is a reproach of unbelief and arises out of the fore, foregoing complaint that the stiff-necked people had not learned by two different modes of teaching. You might recall yesterday's gospel, we talked about St. John the Baptist being the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And here we are, Jesus is, is criticizing them because the, they, they want their cake and eat it too. They want to be able to get out of accepting our Lord as the Messiah. And no matter how they are approached, they're stiff-necked and they, they reject. And Hillary goes on to say, By the children are meant the prophets, who preached as children in singleness of meaning, and in the midst of the synagogue that is in the marketplace, reprove them that when they played to those to whom they had devoted the service of their body, they had not obeyed their words as the movement of the dancers are regulated by the measures of the music. For the prophets invited them to make confession by song to God, as it is contained in the Song of Moses, of Isaiah, and of David. St. Chrysostom would say, he says, therefore, Jesus came as much as to say, I and John came opposite ways to do the same thing, as two hunters chasing the same animal from opposite sides, so that it might fall into the hands of one of them. But all mankind admire fasting and severity of life. For this reason, it was ordained from his infancy that John should be so brought up that the things that he should say should receive credit. The Lord also walked in this way when he fasted 40 days, but he had other means of teaching men to have confidence in him. What an opportunity we have today to contemplate the message and the call of God. Let us not miss it. Let us not be stiff-necked. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt. 
but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic is going to be our guest. He has a brand new book out, kind of like uh, the summation of many years of, of labor for him. It's called City of God versus City of Man, the battles of the church from antiquity to the present. And we're going to be talking about this brand new book. It seems very cool. The, the, putting the, uh, the, the patterns together over the course of 2,000 years of history, fighting the culture, fighting the world in, in order to uh, win souls for Christ. And so we're going to have this conversation with Timothy Flanders coming up at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, of course, and I'm sure they are of to you as well. Uh, and for instance, here's one right out of LifeSite News. Mass exodus. More than half of Irish Catholics have continued to stay away from the church since COVID. And as I said at the top of the hour, we had a TFP member from Ireland on back in, I don't know, it was the peak of their lockdown. And uh, it was a pretty tragic situation. They couldn't travel more than I think it was five kilometers from their homes. They uh, they were having underground masses in Ireland, nonetheless, in St. Patrick's, Ireland. And here is this story that uh, since the COVID lockdowns, people are not returning to Holy Mass. It's quite a tra tragedy. Here's a little bit of the story. A recent survey shows that more than half of Ireland's former mass goers have chosen not to return largely due to fear of COVID-19 and weakened faith. In November 2021, a uh, research survey of Irish Catholics found that more than 53% of those who identified as mask goers before COVID-19 have not been going to mass since. Of those who have chosen not to go back to mass, 61% said they are staying away because of fear of COVID-19. This was the case for 55% of those ages 35 through 44. 48% of those 55 through or 45 through 54 and 68% of those over 55. Quote, a further 13% said they had underlying health issues that prevent them from going to Mass at this time, unquote, the Irish Catholic reported. The survey also seemed to show collateral damage to people's faith from the virus and lockdowns. 21% said they no longer attend Mass because their faith is not as strong as it used to be. Let that sink in. Because their faith is not as strong as it used to be. This, in my opinion, is part of the scandal of uh, of our bishops locking places down, just going full tilt, 15 days to sl slow the spread, and months and months months later, well, we're seeing the fruit of this, that people are leaving and abandoning their faith, uh, and they're becoming more agnostic, and they're not returning to Holy Mass. This is a, a scandal, in my opinion. 
and one that we need to address as a church. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this with Timothy Flanders coming up at 35 past the hour. The article goes on to say, interestingly, this response more frequently came from men and younger people. That is super scary to me. It's one thing to see uh, older people uh, doing things in trends or polls or stats, but when you see younger people doing it, that's the future of the country right there. So if younger people are not returning to the Mass, or they're not going to Mass, or not living this life of faith, well then that's a tragic story for the future of the country. Go goes on to say 26% of men cited weekend faith as they reason they didn't return to Mass versus 17% of women. Also, quote, almost a third, 32% of the 35 to 44 age group said their faith had suffered as a result of the pandemic, unquote, whereas that was the case for 23% in the 45 to 54 age bracket and 17% for those over 55. So a very tragic story here uh, for Ireland. And uh, what is going to be the response to this? Is it going to be the synodal path? Is it going to be, you know, uh, ecumenical dialogue? I mean, uh, are they going to have, you know, uh, an opportunity here to just sort of hold hands and say, we all need to go along to get along? Or is there going to be a reconquista of Ireland, a re-evangelization of this island that saved the faith in the West after the fall of the Roman Empire? It was these Irish monks that came to the European continent and helped to re-evangelize uh, and to evangelize new peoples. I mean, it's a tragedy, in my opinion, to see St. Patrick's Ireland in this state. And uh, let us pray for the perseverance of faith in this country and for a return to Holy Mother Church from those that are falling away. There's another story here I want to get to, I want to talk about as well. I, I found this very fascinating. Um, he, this is a report out of the Catholic World Report. The headline goes, Mexican cardinals and bishops convicted for denouncing pro-abortion socialist government. The article reads, it's a long article. I won't read it all to you. I'll read a bit to you. It says, two Mexican cardinals, a bishop, and three priests have been convicted of constitutional violations for warning the public against the ruling party's opposition to the values of human life and family, their advocacy of the LGBT agenda, and their promotion of socialism. The convictions have caused alarm in Mexico regarding their implications for freedom of speech and the right to criticize the socialist ruling party Morena, which is accused of undermining Mexican civil liberties. Among the convicted were the Cardinal Archbishop of Mexico City, and the former Archbishop of Guadalajara. Uh, the decision was handed down on November the 18th by Mexico's National Electoral Tribunal in response to a lawsuit filed by Mexico's ruling Socialist Party, the Movement for, Socialist, for Social Regeneration, Morena. One of the tribunal judges denounced the accused clerics for encouraging Catholics to, quote, get this, are you ready for this? Radical stuff here. But they were accused... Of, uh, of encouraging Catholics to, quote, pray and ask God to illuminate them when they vote, unquote. Yes, absolutely mind-numbingly radical. Can you imagine asking the Lord, the creator of heaven and, uh, and earth, the creator of all the universe, of molecules, atoms, seas, birds, deer, human beings, and everything that we, that we get to enjoy in this, in this world, uh, to enlighten our minds, 
to give us the grace of, of knowledge, of inspiration, of informed understanding when we make a vote. Could you just imagine how radical that would be? Well, uh, of course, the article goes on to say, of course, that mustn't be permitted. That mustn't be permitted, said Coelho. Uh, the votes aren't celestial or spiritual things. This is about deciding votes with knowledge and information apart from pondering other things. And this is just what must be respected because celestial inspiration is not going to cause the best people to be in, popu in popularly elected positions. It's logical, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we're not allowed to uh, allow our faith. And if you're in Mexico, if you're a faithful Catholic in Mexico, apparently according to this conviction of two cardinals, a bishop, and three priests, you're not allowed to allow your faith to inform you, let alone things like natural law and reason and intellect. That would say that a human person is not to be murdered in the womb, you know, as a person is a person, and they are alive from conception all the way until natural death, let alone talk about defending traditional family values, like a man and a woman engaged in the sacramental rite of holy matrimony to rear children, to embedder society, and to evangelize the world, to win souls for Christ. That is the purpose of family life, and we're not allowed to have that conversation either because these are religious ideals and socialists will have no part of it. It's as if the Cristero War never actually ended. In fact, this article goes on to talk about this, but this is a very serious case. Two cardinals, a bishop, and three priests have been convicted of defending the truth of Holy Mother Church, the truth of natural law in this society, and they are being held account. I don't know what their punishments are going to be, though. Uh, I find this very troubling. Uh, I find this incredibly troubling. Apparently, there's a fine here that says their case has now been passed to the country's Secretariat of Governance to determine the penalty that will be applied. The Secretariat has the discretion to apply merely a warning or a fine up to an equivalent to $150,000. Mexico's Constitution has had expressly anti-clerical provisions since 1917, Oh, gee, where have we heard that date before, that year? Is there anything significant about 1917? Gee, I wonder. Oh, yes, the of course, the Communist Revolution in, in Russia and Our Lady's apparition in Fatima. Didn't she warn us about things like this? I seem to think she did. It goes on to say, when revolutionaries under U.S.-backed leader Carranza uh, uh, sought to consolidate the country's secularist and anti-Catholic regime, with a new charter document, the 1917 Constitution prohibited the clergy from wearing their garb in public, voting in elections, intervening in politics, and teaching pre-adolescent children. You know one thing that makes me think about in reading this article is the need for us to not take it for granted. The need for us to, to pay attention. Because for the Catholics living in Mexico, they are forbidden from having any say in public life. They are to stop talking. They are to remain quiet and just allow the government to do whatever it's going to do without any pushback or repercussion. In America, we have largely done the same thing, but we still have the, the rights. We still have the ability. We still have the freedom to say something. And we should pray and hope that it doesn't get to this level. Let us pray for our bishops, especially 
to have courage in these dark and difficult times. Let us pray that our bishops will be strong advocates for truth itself in spite of in spite of the world wanting to have a different opinion. We must stand up and we must pray fast and do penance. So there is a very concerning couple of very concerning stories for me today. I know there was also a story out of the AP about a judge in Texas who uh, had a, a strong opinion against the Texas heartbeat bill. It says a Texas judge, and I'll just read one quick thing about this for you. This is out of the AP. A Texas judge said Thursday the enforcement mechanism behind the nation's strictest abortion law, which rewards lawsuits against violations by awarding judgments of 10000 is unconstitutional in a narrow ruling that still leaves a near-total ban on abortions in place. Can you believe it? After all the pushback, after all these now months, I, I did not think this would last a day. It has gone now months, and it's still in place, and babies are still being saved in the state of Texas. And we're actually talking about the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Is, is your mind not blown that this could, this, this could actually happen? That we could, as states, decide whether or not we want to allow the atrocity of abortion in our states. Could you imagine if, if the marriage laws ended up in the same situation, that the states would once again have the rights and the ability to defend traditional marriage? Boy, I pray for that day. That would be amazing. I pray that this path leads to that path, that we can take back our culture and our society. And uh, it, it requires us not only to take back this issue over abortion, but we have to take back marriage as well. If you don't defend traditional marriage, you are destroying the very fabric of society. Whether you believe in Catholic Christianity or not is neither here nor there. It is the fabric of society. And those are your What's Concerning Us stories for today. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have new breaking stories with Rudy Carlos and Timothy Flanders. is going to be on to talk about his book, City of God versus the City of Man. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall or make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news. Breitbart reports, 
Over 900 fines handed out on first day of Italian Super Green Pass and restrictions on public transport. Monday saw the introduction of the Super Green Pass, which requires recovery of the Chinese virus or full vaccination to enter venues like restaurants. Monday also saw tighter restrictions for accessing public transport with travelers needing the Green Pass rolled out earlier this year, which indicates proof of vaccination, recovery, or a negative test. Across Italy, local police carried out a total of 120,000 investigations regarding the new coronavirus vaccine passport system, imposing penalties on 937 people trying to access public transport without a green pass, with 175 business owners sanctioned in relation to the super green pass. Italian newspaper Il Giornale reports that many people attempted to avoid the 400-pound fine by claiming that their phones were broken or that the certificate would not appear on their phone. Despite this, the police handed out fines anyway and barred them from travel. LifeSite reports Austrian Catholics suggest bishops caved to government pressure to support COVID-19 shot mandates. The Hill reports Biden administration eyeing evacuation options for U.S. citizens in Ukraine if Russia invades. The Biden administration is considering how to potentially evacuate U.S. citizens from Ukraine should an invasion from Russia prompt security concerns in the country. A person familiar with the briefing said that the senior State Department official Victoria Nuland noted that the U.S. had limited options for how to deter Russia from attacking Ukraine entirely. However, she also discussed the harsh sanctions that Biden would impose on Moscow if the event in the event of an invasion. At this time, the administration did not see a need to evacuate Americans, CNN reported. Russia's buildup of approximately 90,000 troops along its border with Ukraine has prompted concerns from Ukraine and its Western allies. On Monday, CIA Director William Burns acknowledged that Russia's significant military presence along Ukraine's border could act in a very sweeping way. Burns, however, also said that the U.S. intelligence agencies have yet to obtain decisive evidence regarding if Moscow had made a decision about potentially invading Ukraine. And the New York Post reports Jesse Smollett guilty of staging race-baiting hate attack to boost career. Jesse Smollett was convicted Thursday of staging a hate crime nearly three years after he claimed two Trump-loving bigots beat him up tied a noose around his neck, and doused him in bleach in a misbegotten bid to raise his public profile. Twelve jurors in Chicago criminal court found the disgraced actor guilty of five of six counts of felony disorder conduct for filing a false police report following testimony from 13 witnesses and more than nine hours of deliberation. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. On and all things, thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat, once again, is Timothy Flanders. He is the uh, the man behind The Meaning of Catholic. He is the editor at 1 Peter 5. He also is the author of a brand new book called The City of God versus The City of Man, The Battles of the Church from Antiquity to the Present. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Timothy Flanders. Good morning. Jesus is King. Great to be on Catholic Drive Time once again. Amen. Uh, I was... I was watching a bit of your uh, debut, your premiere of this book with the meaning of Catholic crew. And uh, and uh, one of the things that I heard right away was you talking or maybe you said it, but I think I could hear, I could read between the lines a little bit here. And this was the culmination of many years of blood, sweat and tears 
in uh, research and effort and your own personal journey to make a decision following truth itself where does god want me to be and i think as a convert uh that speaks to my journey and i'm sure to the journeys of many converts in the church tell us about the backstory on your book uh yeah i mean i i i was uh grew up a protestant and uh i especially i mean in high school but especially in college i began a long journey of historical linguistic spiritual economic political etc research into the truth of the faith really uh what is the one true church how do we unify the church what is wrong with the church what's wrong with the world uh big questions about life of course and uh ultimately it led me to roman catholicism and this book is really the the apologia of Roman Catholicism of its entire history, which is a presentation of basically why I'm Catholic, but it's not it's not directly autobiographical. That's kind of the background of of the the text itself. The text itself is is um, I didn't actually mention this in the in the broadcast you mentioned, but it's uh, secondarily designed to be a, a high school textbook to actually be for high schoolers to have an exciting narrative history uh, of God's working in history, not just uh, political leaders or things happening, but actually looking at the looking at the history, the way that St. Augustine looked at history, the way that the church fathers looked at history, that God was actually working through history. And that's what this book attempts to bring out. Um, but it's ultimately, these are, this is uh, 500 pages of why I'm Catholic. Yeah, 500, that was, that 500 was, pages of why you're a Catholic, Adrian. No, yeah, that, that was a I was uh, I haven't read the book in its entirety. I read the introduction and the epilogue and then a couple of the other chapters in between. Um, and so far, I'm uh, blown away by the vast amount of information here. And one thing that stood out to me, I'm going to want to read this uh, quote from your book and get your comments on it, because I really think that this is a through line from your book. You said uh, the rights and duties of husbands and wives are primarily duties to their children. And this language was abandoned in favor of the beauty of poetic verse. Uh, could you please uh, expound upon what you mean by that? Sure. Well, that, that's right right to the heart of our, our current crisis. Um, the, the, bigger, the bigger picture, if, if I may say that, um, is basically the controversial nature of this book, which will make it controversial, is that it, it provides a new hypothesis as to why why do we have this church crisis? Why do we have this crisis in society? And it's a new hypothesis that I'm not aware of anyone else have said has said what I've said in this book. Um, but it's basically, it's controversial because all the different sides of, of partisans of Catholic thought today will be offended because I critique them all. But I also bring all the good things in all of their different viewpoints. Uh, but the, the bigger picture here is that there, uh, Vatican II, some say, is the cause of the problem. But I, I say it's actually the effect of the problem because the, the problems were actually uh, coming along with Vatican I and ultimately led to a Vatican II situation. But really, they're both kind of both sides of different emphases. Now, when we talk about marriage that you brought up, um, there was, especially at the Council of Trent, uh, this is a, in a post-Tridentine problem because the Protestants attack marriage. Trent sacramentalizes marriage, but there is an infiltration of the church by Jansenism. And then later in the 19th century, there's an overreaction of a, of a very harsh neo-scholastic idea of what marriage is. 
Now, the good thing is that there are these clear duties of husband and wife that's already in the Council of Trent, in the Catechism of Trent, but it gets so reduced into a very, a very scholastic uh, mindset that it, it loses the beauty of matrimony. It loses the, the, the love, the, the romance, all the great, you know, these great things about matrimony. And so the church shifts and starts to emphasize this other aspect of matrimony in an attempt to balance. But because there's this, this uh, intense battle between these schools of thought, uh, it, it ends up emphasizing one more than the other. It's sort of an overreaction to a, a bad problem, overreaction on the other side. Um, so what you just what what you just talked about was uh, getting at what is the 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 so-called annulment crisis in the church today, where there's basically Catholic divorce everywhere. Um, you know, if you didn't, if people weren't aware of that, the annulment process is deeply corrupt, and uh, there's a lot of problems with that. Um, but it's it's in the bit in the midst of this whole dynamic of trying to balance out the church's teachings of of matrimony in the midst of a s multiple sexual revolutions. And the reason why I think that this is uh, gets at the heart of what you're saying is because uh, toward the end of your book, you had made this comment about what seemed to me to be like almost a Benedict option like idea. You said, uh, find land and build a city like St. Maximilian. It may be one family at first, but set up, um, but set up Mary as the throne of Christ in the public order and the grace will flow from there. And that I was like, this sounds kind of like the Benedict, the Benedict option of Rod Dreyer, but also, I mean, I've looked at monastic life, the history of monastic life, and we're, I was just talking about this with my roommate yesterday. We're talking about how cities used to build around Benedict in monasteries. Uh, could you speak about that? We're going to be a, at a break in about a minute and a half. Oh, sure. Well, this is not advocating uh, the so-called Benedict option. It, it's trying to present the truth of Christendom, which is, yes, the cities are built from monasteries. So first, the, the city of God is built out in the desert, and then a city forms around it. But at the same time, there's also the salt of the earth in every place, because the, the Christians are always in the world as well, and not of the world. So they're all they're everywhere. They're in the desert, in the Benedict building a city they're also in the polit political realms at you know facing down the emperor himself as it were timothy philanders is our guest his book is city of god versus city of man the battles of the church from antiquity to the present we're just about up to a break right now uh, but uh, i want to i want to set this up and then maybe we'll get timothy's response after the break but uh, i was just i was talking about this i think yesterday the day before we were talking about drugs and oh yeah jesse romero was on talking about uh, marijuana and i had mentioned that i was watching an interview with a, a gentleman on J the joe rogan podcast and he talked about coffee and, uh, and how coffee came to Europe in the mid-16th uh, century and how it, it led to the Enlightenment, it led to Renaissance, and it led to the French Revolution. And, uh, and I, I think about that in terms of Timothy's book in the sense that the secular world can't truly rightly understand anything without the truth of God himself revealed to us through his church and through his sacraments. And I want to get his opinion on that on the other side of this very short break. So don't go anywhere. Timothy Flanders will be right back. City of God, City of Man. It's coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. 
the Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Timothy Flanders is our guest. He is the, uh, the host of Meaning of Catholic. He's the editor of 1 Peter 5. He's also the author of City of God versus City of Man, The Battles of the Church from Antiquity to the Present, which you can find linked up at themeaningofcatholic.com. Good morning to you, and welcome back to the show, Timothy Flanders. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, uh, meaningofcatholic.com slash God. We uh, just before the break, I was mentioning this uh, this interview, and I, I don't want to give out the gentleman's name. I don't endorse his work. I'm uh, I only bring him up to make an example of when I see people talk about history or philosophy from a purely secular standpoint, they're always missing. Even intelligent and well educated and well spoken individuals, they're they're always still missing a major element. And I got a great laugh out of thinking that the co that coffee caused the French Revolution. Uh, but I, and I think about your work and the way you've talked about your work. Uh, admittedly, I've not read it yet, but. Um, in that the, the battles the church has fought, that we've been fighting them for 2,000 years now. And we uh, lost Joe's sound at the moment, but um, if we can get him back, we'll have him finish his thought right there in a second. But no, this was the, one of the things uh, I think that Joe is getting at is the idea of revolution in the church today and how exactly we see this play out in throughout history. I mean, I'm thinking of like the primary book I know on the French revolution is the book that is uh, the revolution and counter revolution by professor Plinio Corre de Oliveira and how he would, uh, and how he react, reacts and brings those kind of things, those ideas into uh, the world today and how he traces that lineage of revolution uh, throughout history. And Timothy Flanders, what, how does your book talk about this same issue? Yeah, it's it's my, my book is attempting to like I said it's it's um attempting to give the lay the the common lay faithful a one volume history of the church which vindicates the church and the church's 2000 year history and and I would even I I trace it all the way back to the beginning of Adam and Eve so we talk about that as well. Um so it's vindicating the church on every level. So it's vindicating the church's dealings with the family we, we talk it's a social history it talks about the the whole the, the the family the economy the politics and how the gospel saves souls and societies it does both souls and societies and how it it vindicated 
the uh, the dignity of woman, transformed the family, it freed the slaves, it overcame every social ill that the revolutions say that they're trying to overcome. If they really care about man, if they really care about the poor, they should be promoting Catholicism because it is the one thing that saves souls and societies. Uh, Tim, uh, Joe, can you are you there? Yes. Are you okay, able to there hear you me go. now? I can hear you now. Uh, we're talking to Timothy Flanders, City of God versus City of Man. I want to go back to talking about some of these similar parallels uh, that we've been seeing throughout time. I mean, uh, the first early century, the early centuries of the church were wrapped up in trying to uh, figure out not only dealing with persecution. I mean, there's that. I mean, who can get together and debate the, you know, divinity and humanity of Christ when we're, you know, being martyred for the faith all the time? But once that was, they were able to do that, uh, there was a tremendous amount of energy put into, you know, what is the nuanced approach to Christ's uh, dualistic nature? What is the Trinity and all of these ideas? But are, are we seeing these reoccurring parallels between the, uh, the early church and today? Uh, yes. What, so one of the things that I, I bring out in the book in an attempt to address the current crisis, the current crisis in the church, what I, I would call 200 years old plus, I did it back to 1773, the modern, modern crisis we face today. Um, if we see this in the context of the whole history of the church, we can actually see, I, I believe, something very clear, and that is that there are these four different periods of Greco-Roman renewals, what I call it, so where these different schools of thought are rivaling each other. And there, it's a contest of not a bitter contest as the world thinks of it, but it's a contest among Christians, which is where it's a contest for humility and a contest for truth. It's a, it's a, it's a, a conflict in order to glorify God to the utmost that we can. And so these different periods of the church have led to these different uh, greater renewals in philosophy, in theology, but also even in society, in, in the economic development, political development, all sorts of things. The church is the driving force transforming the whole world from the soul to the society. And in our, in our current epoch, we are in the midst of one of those uh, revolutions and the church's response to that revolution and the church's development to counteract that revolution. We're still in the midst of that. That's why we're suffering in this in this time period. But like it like it happened in these three prior periods that I discuss in the book, it will happen again. And I can see it already happening. And we're leading towards that point. Um, that's why this book is is meant to give us hope, so that we can look at this crisis from uh, a long perspective, from God's perspective. You know, I've many times quoted the statistics that are kept by CARA, which is the organization that maintains them for the USCCB, which is hosted over on Georgetown's website. You can Google them. You can read them for yourself. You can put them in spreadsheets, and you can run the numbers. It's kind of crazy. But over the last 50 years, you see massive and significant drops in uh, baptisms of children, uh, marriages, uh, parishes that are closing, religious vocations, on and on and on and on. Um, by the way, the only number that's positive is uh, permanent diaconate. That's because they got restored after Vatican II. Uh, so uh, other than that, the numbers are just going down and down. And, of course, post-pandemic, I read an article this morning that uh, Irish Catholics are not returning to Mass after their lockdowns. And that's among young people, not just all the old people. Uh, so it's a very concerning story in Ireland. Um, so the, 
I liked what you said earlier in that those of us that are concerned post-Vatican II Church and all of the craziness that goes on, um, this didn't start with the opening of the council or the closing of the council. This was building until then. Tell me about the building. Yeah, sure. I mean, what what we see in the in this book, as I bring out in other such periods as you describe, when there's a great decline of faith and a corruption, um, is that God permits evil in order to bring out a greater good. He permits error to bring out greater truth, and He does it again and again and again in history. And so, the what what is the um, the buildup to his, to Vatican II um, is really. Uh, the corruption of the papacy, as I, I put it back in 1773, when we have a corrupt papacy, um, but it's a response to the new revolution of liberalism and all of its ugly daughters, namely communism and feminism. And this itself is a reaction to a prior extreme uh, on the other side. So it's it's a reaction to, so feminism is a reaction to the, the Protestant denigration of Mary which ultimately resulted in a revolt um, of women. Um, but so it's it's dealing with the imbalances and, and the reactions to the post-Tridentine period. But up to Vatican II, there's a reaction to modernism, uh, modernism within the church, which is basically the, the heretical evolution of dogma. But as a result of that fight against modernism, there's actually imposed upon a church too strict of a neo-Thomism, which is ultimately is actually an innovation in the church. There's never been Thomism as it was after Vatican I in the church uh, up until that point. There's never been that that strict of a, a restriction on the schools of thought within Christendom. And so there's actually a reaction on the other side, an overreaction in some uh, courses after Vatican II. And this is the church going through the, these crises uh, and battling these forces and balancing all of the truth and the difficulties and the nuances that come with it. Mr. Flanders, uh, sometimes, you know, when we think about the church in, in our modern time, we think of it as kind of like a train wreck, right? Um, what do you see going on now, maybe within the laity or within the church properly, Holy Mother, the church that you see as a sign of hope that is correcting uh, the seeming train wreck that we're seeing? Well, um, basically, the, the biggest thing is that what happened under John Paul II was that all of these Catholic families, like, so, so basically what happened under Paul VI was that there was a, a steep decline and, and everyone's losing, leaving their voc vocations and everything. But the, the key for the devil, what the devil wants is he wants to break the generative power of families so that the families don't pass down the faith to their children. That's how he does it. That's the only way to really play the long game is to destroy that general activity. But we see that under John Paul II, all these Catholic families in the wake of the Humanae Vitae controversy, all these Catholic families uh, lovingly and zealously uh, took the Catholic faith and they had children and they, th these children grew up. And this is the generation of all the Orthodox faithful priests we have today. And they were born on, they were conceived under John Paul II because there was actually a restoration of that generative power because it, the devil wasn't successful in actually creating the, uh, the, a generative degradation uh, in the church. So there's, there's really this mustard seed. There's a mustard seed of the Catholic family, which began in the 80s and 90s, 
which we're seeing today in the in the the young faithful priests and religious but it's a mustard seed and it's so it's the smallest of all seeds and so it's very small but it is the mustard seed and that is what our lord gives us as the parable of the kingdom of god we are just down to about a minute now let me ask a last question here timothy flanders what makes your book different from a history textbook perspective than others that are already on the market well this is the story of god in history is what it is so it's interpreting all of these things through the lens of the city of god by saint augustine and that is what makes it all different because history textbooks are typically materialist they're typically atheist in their historical uh framework they just say well this king did this and then this king did this and then they invaded there's god is not at the center of this of history in fact god is at the center of the of the history and so this book is taking the the words of the saints and the events in providence and it's telling uh our youth and telling your common lay faithful is that god is working in history and here's how he has been working through all these different moments and how he has vindicated his church how he has made his church triumphant and how he, perhaps he will make it again in this particular way in this time. All right. Praise be to God. Timothy Flanders, author of City of God, City of Man. Go to meaningofcatholic.com uh, forward slash City of God. Timothy Flanders, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thanks, Joe. God bless. All right. We are going to uh, be back for our second hour. If you can join us, we'd love to have you hang out with us at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation.
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, December the 10th, and you have survived the week so far, anyway. God is so very good. You only have just a few hours, and then you get to enjoy your your weekend. And hopefully and prayerfully, it'll be a good one. But here's the really good news. You don't have to put up Christmas decorations or listen to Christmas music for at least another couple of weeks. I mean, praise be to God. You're, you're like getting down to it, but you still got time to enjoy Advent. So make Advent great again, I say. Speaking of which, Adrian uh, Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. You're str- we, poor Adrian, uh, uh, he is uh, spinning extra plates today because uh, I'm not in the studio. I'm at home today. Rudy's obviously in his studio in uh, in California, and Adrian is spinning about a dozen and a half plates. How's it going over there? Uh, well, I don't even know if we're online anymore. I think our OBS <laughs> just crashed. Well, uh, praise be so to God. We're still on the radio. We so are that's still good. on the radio, so praise be to God. So there, we're, that's that's working for us. <laughs> so that's how Adrian's day is going. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to you. You look more relaxed and calm than Rudy does for some reason. Oh, than Adrian? <laughs> yeah. Like, Rudy you know, than Adrian. More than Rudy. I'm a Rudy? professional plate spinner, you know. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a well, funny visual. Well, praise be to God. Uh, now, we're down to it. Are you, are you, you guys, you're moving. Are you decorating too? I mean, how, no. how are you going to manage Christmas? No way. We're not No decorating. decorations for you. Are you kidding me? That's more to pack. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like an austere Christmas for your family. How are you taking that? It's a little sad, you know, to not have a, our tree up or anything like that. But we dug out, we had this, uh, you know, my wife and I, when we first started dating, got this little tiny, tiny little Christmas tree. By the way, we weren't cohabitating, just in case you're wondering. We just happened to decorate this tiny little tree. <laughs> We're always judging you. You know that, right? <laughs> so we pulled that out. It's got the little lights on it. So that's what we have out. But it's yeah. not Christmas yet. Obviously, it's Advent. So we're waiting. Make Advent great Patiently again. waiting. Do you- do you sing Advent hymns? I'm just curious. No, uh, but we should. That's a great. That's a great thing we could do as a family for sure. That's right. Sing Advent hymns. Oh, I only know one. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Is it, what else is there? I don't even what know. Maybe people can comment and let us know <laughs> other great Advent hymns because all I can think of is Christmas ones at the moment. Um, we just wrapped up a great conversation with Timothy Flanders about his brand new book, The City of God versus City of Man. Very fascinating. It's a history textbook. It's also his own story and his own journey of coming into the Catholic Church, and uh, we encourage you to check that out over at the meaning of the meaning of Catholic.com. 
forward slash city of God. Uh, Adrian is, is working feverishly to try to get us back online on our on our stream, so we won't bug him too much uh, right now. But uh, we are going to have a great hour this hour. Of course, we have breaking news and stories. Well, it's the good news hour, so we're going to have a good news story, right, Rudy? Yes, sir. Got some All right, good so that's coming up. We're going to have Gospel of the Day, Saint of the Day. We'll have uh, hopefully a little reflection for you. And then we play Fear and Trembling. And it's going to be a good time. We have three more opportunities to get you into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. And uh, so that's coming up at 15 past. If you would like the phone number early because you want to hedge your bet, get in early to be on the phone to get the last three chances to win the uh, Gourmet Coffee, which is our sp prize sponsor. What's their name again? Uh, Versal Alto Coffee Roasters. And there's a, there's a link there, right, to uh, uh, Frasati, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so if you want to check out their... <laughs> I'm sorry. For what? <laughs> for, to Frasati. Frasati. A blessed Frasati. I think there is a uh, a link of uh to, with their name to Blessed Frasati, if I'm not mistaken. Go to their website. Check it out for yourself. I think there is uh, an actual little, little bit of a history there. If you go to Versol uh, Alto Coffee Roasters com, that's Versol V E R S O L A L T O Coffee Roasters com. Versol Alto Coffee Roasters .com. More on that, the game show coming up at 15 past. Let's pray. Let's dive in, and we're going to have a great half hour. And of course, in the second half, we do the after show where we get to conversate with you, and you get to drive that conversation, provided Adrian gets everything fixed and up and running. And uh, we'll do that by uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or our website, grnonline.com. We should be good now. CDT. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's a good news story for today. Fox reports Ohio siblings donate nearly 50,000 toys to Nationwide Children Hospital, Children's Hospital through annual toy drive. Two Ohio siblings have donated nearly 50,000 toys over the past six years to one of the largest pediatric hospitals in the country through their annual toy drive. This Christmas season, Tyler and Monica Slavin are hoping to bring another 11,500 toys for the children at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. It all started when the Slavin siblings teamed up in 2015 with one mission to help children who are in the hospital on Christmas. Six years ago, the siblings began utilizing their school's expansive network of students and staff to get volunteers and donations the Ohio Virtual Academy, an online public school for K-12 students, serves more than 18,000 kids from across the state, according to Tyler Slavin. The school does a tremendous job of helping us get the word out every year and reach new people, since we are a statewide school, he said. With the help of the students and faculty, the Slavin siblings would start placing toy donation boxes in different towns across the state. They would also stop by droves of businesses that were very eager to help them out with monetary donations as well as donating actual toys. 
In 2015, they were able to donate 800 toys to the hospital. One year later, that number more than doubled, according to 1,700, uh, amounting to 1,700 donations. In 2017, they donated 3,000 toys. However, in 2018 and 2019, the toy drive broke the hospital's record for the single largest donation with 92,000 and 20,000 toys, respectively. Every year, the toys are packed in a U-Haul vehicle and various cars are taken directly to the hospital. Once you get to the hospital property, it's just phenomenal. They're so friendly and welcoming and spirited, Tyler, Tyler Slavin said. It's a true joy to be around. Not only do these toys bring holiday cheer to the children and their families, but they also take their focus off being in the hospital, he added. And that's amazing. I mean, it's hard enough being in a hospital as an adult, but can you imagine being there as a child? It's a very, very scary experience. So this is a, a welcome distraction for these children. And that was your good news story for today. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Eulalia of Merida. She was born in the third century in Spain. Eulalia was a devout Christian virgin aged about 12 to 14 years old. Her mother sequestered her in the countryside in AD 304 because all citizens were required to make a vow of faith in the Roman gods. Eulalia ran away to the law court of the governor Dacian at Immersia and professed herself as a Christian. She uh, insulted the pagan gods and Emperor Maximin himself and challenged the authorities to martyr her. The judges attempted to flatter and bribe her, but she responded, Isis Apollo Venus Nicolest Maximinus et Ipsa Nicol, el Nicol quid facta munu, hic manum quia facta colit, which is Isis, Apollo, and Venus are nothing. Maximin himself is nothing. They are nothing because they were made by hands. He, because he reveres the works of hands. Eulalia, as a 12-year-old girl, tried to remonstrate with Judge Dacian of Meridia for forcing Christians to worship false gods in, according, in accordance with the edicts of Diocletian. Even when Dacian was at first amused and tried to flatter her, Eulalia would not deny Christ. Finally, Dacian ordered that her body be torn by iron hooks. Fire was applied to her wounds to increase her sufferings, and in the process, her hair caught fire. She was asphyxiated by the smokes and the flames. As she expired, a dove flew out of her mouth. This frightened away the soldiers and allowed a miraculous snow to cover her nakedness, its whiteness indicating her sainthood. She gained the crown of martyrdom around the year of 304. St. Eulalia, pray for us. God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Uh, Hilary would say mystically, neither did the preaching of John bend the Jews, to whom the law seemed burdensome in prescribing meats and drinks, difficult and grievous, having in it sin, which he calls having a demon, for from the difficulty of keeping it they must sin under the law. Nor again did the preaching of the gospel with freedom of life in Christ please them, by which the hardships and burdens of the law were remitted, and publicans and sinners only believed in it. Thus, then, so many and so great warnings of all kinds have been offered them in vain. They are neither justified by the law, and they are cast off from grace. Wisdom, therefore, is justified of her children by those, that is, who sees the kingdom of heaven by the justification of faith, confessing the works of wisdom to be just, that it has transferred its gift from the rebellious to the faithful. Close quote, St. Hilary, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? One thing that uh, Cornelius Lapide notes here is the fact that uh, these the Pharisees here are accusing our Lord of not just, he's there saying, so our Lord says, well, John the Baptist, he didn't eat and drink at all. He fasted constantly. He ate locusts. He was just, just you know, doing like the very bare minimum to survive. He was probably skin and bones. And yet y'all said, oh, because he is fasting so much, he must be possessed by a demon. And they said, and then me, I do eat and drink like a normal person. And y'all are like, oh, man, this guy is a glutton and drunkard. He said, "How? what exactly will please you? Y'all are just fabricating these ideas of what the Son of Man should be, of what a good person should be, and you're just taking the idea that someone has. And so John the Baptist, in his, in his great fasting, in his great austerity, and myself, our Lord speaking, myself, who am taking the pleasures of the world and using them properly, you accuse me of being a glutton and a drunkard. So you then instead of being of taking an ordinate desire, our Lord here, according to Cornelius Lapide, he says, and so he taught that rich man, men may live religiously in their riches and still be saved. And so it is not, it is not namely food, drink, clothing. Those things are not evil in of themselves. But as Cornelius Lapide says, quote, the inordinate love of using them, which is in fault, end quote. And that's very important. Uh, because this is implies, this permeates throughout the rest of Scripture. Every time our Lord talks about wealth, when he talks about uh, surplus, when he talks about these things, and when he talks about poverty, all these things are all glued together by this passage. Because what is our Lord setting up as a principle here? Well, these things, it is not for the, the them themselves that are evil, but it's the inordinate love of them. And so if you reject the goods of the world out of some dualistic materialist idea that the body is evil well then in that case yeah that's wrong you shouldn't be doing that that's very bad or if you go in the other way and you do use the pleasures of the world but you use them too much and you give them too much emphasis well then yeah that's bad too and it's the recognition of that things belong to god and we are just stewards of these things let's use them properly let's give uh from our surplus and let's accept our state in life with uh with grace and with uh the grace of god there you go all right praise be to god thank you uh adrian for for not only spending the plates but giving us great commentary from cornelius alapide i also want to thank verboom.com 
forward slash GRN for being a sponsor of our Gospel Reflection every day. That's Verboom with a V, verboom.com forward slash GRN. Thank you for sponsoring our show and giving us the tools to dive deep into sacred scripture and to share that with our CDT insiders. Praise be to Jesus. All right, it is time to play our game, Fear and Trembling, which means we need to get uh, a caller on the line to be our contestant. The last three chances to win this uh, beautiful prize pack from our wonderful prize sponsor, Verso La Alto Coffee Roasters, have given us stuff to give to you, but you need to call to get your chance to win. And we pull a prize, we pull a name to give out the prize today. That phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right, you got to keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something new about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. Number two, we like to have fun. And our callers tend to be a really, uh, they're good sports, they're a good time, they laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. 
And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. Praise be to God. But if you're just joining us and you're new here, let me explain. This is a Catholic trivia game show where I have three Catholic trivia questions, but I do not ask the caller the question. So they don't need to know the answers to these questions, and they could still win. It's possible. Praise be to God. Uh, the reason is because instead of asking the caller, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. And uh, today, after we play our game, we will pull a name out of the cup and announce it live on the air. And that person will win prizes. It's going to be fun. Praise be to God. Speaking of which, Rudy, what could they win? Well, this week we have a generous donation from Versola Alto Coffee Roasters. They're generously gifting us a trio of their light, medium, and full-bodied coffee roasts. Imagine pulling up a cup of amazingly freshly roasted Catholic coffee from Versola Alto Coffee Roasters. Their philosophy is to the heights, and they adopted this motto for the roastery because it dares them to embrace the simple life and to unearth the beatific within a... If you're interested in supporting this great sponsor, please check out VersoLaAltoCoffeeRoasters.com. That's V-E-R-S-O-L-A-L-T-O CoffeeRoasters.com. We also sent out some other goodies from this sponsor in this week's CDT Insider email. So you can sign up for that and get future emails in the future. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rudy. All right. Let's go to the phones. Vicky, good morning to you. Vicky, are you there? I'm here. Praise be to God. Good morning, Vicky. Where are you calling from? Um, Dallas area. Where Dallas. Praise be to God. Where do you go to church? Um, I go to St. Luke's, but I have so many options. I can go to UD. I can go to um, Mato Day. I can go to St. Michael the Archangel in Grand Prairie. I can go to Immaculate Conception in Grand Prairie. I can go to Holy <laughs> Family. Wow. Go on? <laughs> That's some options right there. Praise be to Jesus. Now, a fun fact, have you already started decorating for Christmas, or are you enjoying Advent? Uh, we're enjoying Advent. Praise be to Jesus. <laughs> now, are you, uh, have you listened to the show? Do you know how the rules are, are played, how the game is played? Yes, sir. All right, so you know then. Rudy is... I do. He tries to pretend to be innocent, but we all know he's pretty tricky. Adrian, however, is a known entity. Do, who do you think is going to be more tricky, Vicky? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes they mm. give it away, though. Make it Joe, yeah. did you just call Vicky tricky? <laughs> Vicky, I am on your Joe. side. I am your advocate. I'm here to get you into the coffee cup. So let's try to get this done. We're going to go to Rudy first. Rudy, are you ready? I am so ready. Are you sure? Every day I'm ready for this. This is the most ready I'm at, I'm at every day. Mm, are you sure? I'm so ready. So ready, Joe. Rudy, can you tell me? Who was the Pope reigning over Vatican I? Mm, Vatican I, yes. So that would be Pope Pius XI. Pope Pius XI? Yep. Fantastic. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, let's just get a second opinion on this. Adrian, can you tell me? Who was the Pope reigning over Vatican I? The Pope reigning over Vatican I. That would be Pope Pius IX. That's confusing. Really? 
This is like a war of pipes. We should just like we should just list. Like, uh, that reminds me of a joke. Someone said, "How many popes have there been?" I'm like, "Well, there's at least twelve. Pope Pius one through twelve, right?" There you go. We should have like a rock paper scissors contest or something. All right, so Vicky, this is a tricky one. I'm gonna be honest with you, but here's the deal. Adrian says it's Pope Pius the ninth, whereas Rudy says it is Pope Pius the eleventh. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? I want to say Pope Pius XI. Are you sure about that? So you're saying Rudy. Ooh. <laughs> she said Pope Pius XI. Yeah, Pope Pius XI is wrong. It is Pope Pius IX. Yep. All right. Yep, yep. Pius IX was reigning over Vatican I, and he's the one who made the declaration Ouch. of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. There uh, you go. I'm so sorry, Vicky. So sorry. <laughs> All right, but don't fear. I think we can get you in the cup with this next question. I want to say this is a super, super simple question. So let's go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? Probably. What three angels do we know the names of? What three angels do we know the names of? Uh, that would be Michael, mm-hmm. Gabriel, and okay. Raphael. Huh. Yep, I see. Yep. I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I recognize those names. You recognize those names. That's <laughs> awkward because only uh, wasn't that like none art- of those, artists only instead? one of those <laughs> only one of those is actually a Ninja Turtle. But <laughs> and, but I okay. forgot that they were Renaissance artists instead of angels. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> All right, your answer was Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Raphael was in there. You got one one out of four. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see what Rudy says. Rudy, um, don't confuse with with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, first of all. Second of all, can you tell me what three angels do we know the names of? Yeah, all across the, uh, you know, all all across scripture, you, you see the only names that are mentioned are Gabriel, Raphael, and Donatello. Donatello? Mm-hmm. Huh, that's fascinating. I feel like mm. some uh, Team and T vibes. <laughs> I don't know. Vicky, this is getting uh, tricky business here, but uh, Rudy seems to think it's Donatello, Gabriel, and Raphael, whereas Adrian says the names of angels would be Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? I'll go with the three archangels, Adrian. Survey says. Very Duh. good. Very yeah, I don't good. I do have my dub button today. Duh. Duh, of course. Yes. Amen. Congratulations, Vicky. You're in the cup. You might win today. Praise be to God. Uh, so congratulations. It may be God's will, but I think we can double your chances with this next question, Vicky. We're going to go back to Rudy for this. Rudy, can you tell me how many days are there until Christmas? Okay. Whose question it's is this? 15 hours this? and 45 minutes. Until Christmas? How long? Wow. Sorry, excuse me. 15 days. Wow. 15 days. Say, wait, what? All right. 15 You're days. You're saying we have 16 15 hours. days? Yep. So get How all your shopping done. One more time. Oh, wait, How many days? 15 days. Your answer is 15. Yeah. Okay. Adrian. Yes. How many how many days until Christmas starts? Well, considering it's uh, the 10th today, I'm going to say mm-hmm. 14 days, 16 hours, 33 minutes, and 20 seconds. Very specific. Mm-hmm. Now 18 seconds. 
Uh, now it seems 15 like, seconds. That seems like Rudy you know is less specific lying. than you are. He's more general. You're more specific. Seven Let's seconds. Okay, uh, Vicky, here is the deal. Adrian says there is about 14 days and change until Christmas starts, whereas Rudy seems to think it's a solid 15 days before Christmas starts. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? I'm going to go with 14 days. Uh, 14 days and how many hours? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of tricky business is this? Who came up with this question, Adrian? I have no idea. Congratulations, Vicky. Who picks these questions? Spoiler alert, it was Joe. Yeah. No, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's too busy confusing Ninja Turtles. (laughs) He can't be asking these detailed questions. Congratulations, Vicky. You're in the cup. We're going to pull a name. It may be God's will. It may not. I don't know, but let's wait and see. All right. I got a name. And that name is Susie. Susie! Congratulations! Let's go! Vicky, I'm so sorry. But you played well. God love you, Vicky. Thank you for playing our game today and calling in our show. All right. Have a good Happy weekend. Advent to you and your family, and if I don't talk to you, Merry Christmas, too. Thank you. Thank you. God love you. All right, that is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining us. If you can and you would like to join us on our after show, we are live streaming to YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Odyssey, and on LinkedIn. You can always watch us live right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt where we link to all the other streams as well. So please join us there. You get to comment. You get to drive that conversation. Whatever's on your mind, that's what we talk about. Otherwise, we're going to see you back here on Monday morning. Praise be to God for a whole nother week and around Catholic Drive Time for insightful conversation, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then, God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. At Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Friday of the second week of Advent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, 
Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Grant that your people, we pray, Almighty God, may be ever watchful for the coming of your only begotten Son, that as the author of our salvation himself has taught us, we may hasten alert with lighted lamps to meet him when he comes. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you in the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand and those born of your stock like its grains their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, 
Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord will come, go out to meet him. He is the Prince of Peace. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplace and call to one another, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he was possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It seems in many people like to quote St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, We are not called to be successful, but called to be faithful. Uh, in a, some kind of a funny way, like as if uh, success is a bad thing, or uh, it's okay to fail, or something like that. And the, the truth is that she really meant to say that faithfulness is its own success, and that in this first reading, God promises a certain kind of uh, prosperity. Well, what does prosperity look like? What is, and, and the truth is that we have to let Jesus show us what prosperity looks like, show us what fruitfulness is, because we do not know. Uh, wisdom is vindicated by her works. Jesus does not need anyone's approval for his plan. And these children in the marketplace are what you might call malcontents, are people who look at the way God does things, and they're never satisfied with what God does. And so they would need God to get uh, their approval on their, the plan for their life. But the truth is that the revelation of Jesus Christ is itself the reality of why God does things the way that he does them. And that should really be the question that we ask him is like, I don't understand what you're doing. Can you show me why you're doing it this way? Instead of asking the question, why God are you doing this way? That's the two different ways of questioning God, questioning God without faith and questioning God in a spirit of faith. Two people in the gospel who did this were Zechariah, who said, no, God, it's impossible for you to uh, make my wife pregnant. She's beyond age versus Mary. Mary believed. She just wanted to know how she was supposed to move. So she said, how can this be? I have not known man. And these are, this is the, the way that we need to ask Jesus how he wants us to make us holy and what the version of our life where we are holy looks like because it is going to be and must needs be very different than the way that we are comfortable with. And the reason for this is God's will is not in us. It's outside of us. It is in God. And therefore, we need to have a, a version of ourselves, uh, the plan of life, much far beyond our own expectations 
and our own plan. This is a daily surrendering, sometimes hourly surrendering, of the way that God wants to make us holy. And it is almost always by the same way that he chose, that is, the cross. That there's the kingdom of, of God is something that is uh, a path that is not easy. There are times when you sing a dirge. There's times of mourning, and there's also times of dancing and rejoicing. There are ups and downs. Those themselves are not the issue. The issue is staying faithful to God's plan and always having this disposition just like Mary, the Blessed Mother, to constantly empty ourselves before God and say, be it done unto me according to thy word, according to thy will. However it is that you want to bring Jesus, and I don't even know what, what Jesus looks like in this situation. I, I have to learn, once again, what is love. And the many difficult relationships that God might bring into your life would also test this. I find myself frequently saying throughout the day, Jesus, I don't know how to love this person in front of you, in front of me. I, I need you to show me. You have to put your love in my heart in, for them because I don't know what, what authentic Christ love is for that, that person. You have to reveal yourself in this situation again. And I'm every single time, I'm always surprised by that. It's always a, a surprise of where God wants me to go. It's very much like a, a journey, uh, this journey to Bethlehem that Joseph and Mary took was a very rough path and they didn't know what was going, they didn't know they were going to be rejected time and time again. They didn't know that Jesus was going to be born in a cave, uh, you know, in this, the first smell, his tiny little nostrils would smell would be the smell of animal dung and, you know, in, in the dark of night and the cold of, of that season of the year. They didn't know that. They thought, well, look, this, certainly this is the Son of God. Mary, I'm sorry, Mary, did you know? Yes, of course she knew. Mary knew. Don't stop singing that song. With Mary, did you know? Of course Mary knew. She knew he was the Son of God. She knew he was the Holy One of Israel. That's what Angel Gabriel told her at the, at the birth. And so, but she didn't know how the Savior wanted to manifest his wisdom in in, the, in being born, everything after that was constant surrender. And so we ask our Blessed Mother uh, this Advent and, and with our lives that we would be sanctified by the plan that God has for us and God's wisdom has and that we would let go of our own idea of what we think wisdom and what we think love really looks like. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth the face of Jesus Christ, the authentic holiness of God to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may serve joyfully as Jesus serves. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not obstruct God's way and God's law, we pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us. 
For I make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The King shall come when morning dawns and light triumphant breaks, when beauty gilds the eastern hills and life to joy awakes. Not as of old a little child to bear and fight and die, but crowned with glory like the sun that lights the morning sky. O brighter than the rising morn when he victorious rose and left the lonesome place of death despite the rage of foes. O brighter than the glorious morn shall this fair morning be, when Christ our King in beauty comes, and we his face shall see. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Be pleased, O Lord, with our humble prayers and offerings. And since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue with the protection of your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you founded long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which we now dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahot, Pleni suncheli et terra, gloria tua, O sana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, O sana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, 
for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours for ever and ever. Amen. Prabject bis solitaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audehemus dicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cielo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, vitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, vitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our mortal bodies and conform with his glorified body. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Creator of the stars of night, thy people's everlasting light, Jesus, Redeemer, save us all and hear thy servants when they call. Thou grieving that the ancient curse should doom to death the universe, hast found the healing full of grace to cure and save our ruined race. Thou camest the bridegroom of the bride, as drew the world to eventide, the spotless victim all divine, proceeding from a virgin shrine, at whose dread name majestic now, all knees must bend, all hearts must bow, all things celestial thee shall own, and things terrestrial, Lord, alone. O Thou whose coming is with dread, to judge and doom the quick and dead, preserve us from the ancient foe, while still we dwell on earth below. To God the Father and the Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Praise, honor, might, and glory be, from age to age eternally. Amen.
let us pray. Replenished by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our partaking in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and hold firm to the things of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May the Almighty and merciful God, by whose grace you have placed your faith in the first coming of his only begotten Son, and yearn for his coming again, sanctify you by the radiance of Christ's advent, and enrich you with his blessing. Amen. As you run the race of this present life, may he make you firm in faith, joyful in hope, and active in charity. Amen. So that rejoicing now with devotion at the Redeemer's coming in the flesh, you may be endowed with the rich reward of eternal life when he comes again in majesty. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace glorifying Thanks. the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. People, look east, the time is near of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able. Trim the hearth and set the table. People, look east and sing today. Love, the guest is on the way. Furrows be glad, though earth is bare, one more seed is planted there. Give up your strength, the seed to nourish, that in course the flower may flourish. People look east and sing today, love the roses on the way. Stars keep the watch when night is dim, one more light the bowl shall brim, Shining beyond the frosty weather, Bright as sun and moon together. People look east and sing today, Love the star is on the way. Angels announce with shouts of mirth, Him who brings new life to earth, Set every peak and valley humming with a word, the Lord is coming. People look east and sing today, love the Lord is on the way. People look east, the time is near of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able, trim the hearth and set the table. People look east and sing today, love the guest is on the way. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. a co 